Hello everyone and welcome to Fast Charge, the penultimate episode of the year because of the timing of when we all stop working for Christmas. We are here this week, we are here next week, and then we are done until January, so make the most of it. Uh, I, we have a full house this week. I am joined by Toddy, Chris, and Aniron. Hello. So, say hi. <laughs> cool. Uh, we'll get straight to it. We actually have a phone launch this hey. week, which is fun. There's not many of them left. This might be the last one of the year. Those are the, there's a couple things we're kind of expecting to see. But Oppo has announced the Reno 5 series, or they've kind of announced most of the Reno 5 series. <laughs> as, as always, it's never that simple anymore. No one just announces <laughs> all the phones at once. Uh, so we have the Oppo Reno 5s new. They were announced today, so this is brand new. We're going to talk about that. We are then going to turn to Apple's AirPods Max. I know we don't normally talk about headphones much, but uh, these are some headphones, right? Uh, at £550 or dollars, uh, they are as Apple as anything has ever been, for better or worse. And we will get to that. Uh, and then we're gonna we're gonna finish up with a look back at 2020 tech, and particularly the stuff that we have loved. We've been busy assembling our end of year awards list on the site, so I know all of us have been thinking long and hard about what tech launches from this year we've loved. So we're gonna talk about them, particularly phones, obviously. And then next week we'll maybe look ahead to 2021 and think about what's coming up. So uh, let's get straight to it. Toddy, you've been masterminding all things Oppo Reno 5 for us, so. Uh, what is that? I know they they announced two phones fully today. Is that right? Yeah, I've yeah. So um, they they unveiled the Oppo Reno Five, technically Reno Five Five G, and the Oppo Reno Five Pro Five G. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, in the lead up, we had a rumors piece on this. There's um, rumors of a four G model, so it's kind of the reverse of the Reno Four series, where there were four G versions of everything, and then like some had five G versions as well, which were different specs. Um, but they didn't announce a four G one. No, but there was a third phone, and that was the Reno Five. Got it. You can tell it's the end of the year. Yeah, <laughs> the Reno Five Pro Plus. Um, 5G. And that one, they only announced the name of. Yes, and we and, and one photo, and they kind of teased that already yeah. a little bit on their like Chinese social media on Weibo and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, so we've got three phones, two of which we actually know most of the hardware about. Um, some of it was actually announced even before the, the launch today. Um, it's a very odd launch as well. They, they had it kicking off. The stream was available from 10 a.m. China time. Uh, and then at 7.40 p.m., the stream kicked off, and then it's basically just been looping ever since because it's pre-recorded, obviously, um, and it's just still so going. What did they have <laughs> playing for like the nine hours in between? I've, I've noticed this with like when Chinese companies host press events that we attend as well. You know, wherever in the world we are, um, they like to just have lots of I don't not just B-roll, but like lots of like little kind of slice of life or, or snippets or, or cutaways yeah. of the same you know product or the same features being shown, but in different not even different contexts, just with different people in a different backdrop. Like, just like, look at this. So like in this one, for example, today's stream, they had um, a cellist <laughs> and then they had someone doing sign language. Um, and then they had uh, people having a cake fight. It was very surreal. <laughs> it's a very strange stream. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot, wow. there was a lot happening. Um, but I'm in all of that chaos, we got some phones. Uh, cool. Okay. So, so the, let's start with the two that have been fully announced specs and all the five and the five pro. Yes. Uh, they are very similar. Correct me if I'm wrong. Basically, the differences are the chipset yep. and the display. Yeah, that sounds uh, right. Yeah, that's one, pretty much it. One has the, the Pro has the Dimensity 1000 Plus, which is a MediaTek chip. Yep. 
uh, we haven't reviewed any phones with that chip in yet. We've only reviewed phones with the Dimensity 800 or the 800U, um, yep. much more affordable offerings, but they've both been very, very good for the money. Um, so I have no doubts that 1000 plus will be pretty good if we get the Reno 5 Pro in for review. And then the Reno yeah, I just, 5, sorry, has the Snapdragon 765G. <laughs> Yeah, while we're on the thousand plus, I, mm. I, I kind of looked it up because I wasn't sure. Because as you said, we haven't looked at any phones using this. Um, this is the equivalent of the eight six five plus. It was kind of the the there's a one thousand and then the one thousand plus was a refresh version that added hundred forty four hertz display support. It's MediaTek's flagship chip, but benchmark wise, it's actually closer to the eight five five in most performance. So it's definitely lagging behind a little bit i, think, I, I guess it's an 855 with an integrated modem i'm going to get go out on a limb and say it is integrated 5g yeah. yes so that's probably like the hook but that kind of makes sense so, it's the reno line although it's been a bit confusing over the years since they introduced it um oppo's reno line uh kind of sits just beneath the find x top end um find yeah. x2 top end i should say um but then obviously the further down you go the more muddied that becomes um, yeah, it yeah. gets a bit messy. And the 765G is in the base Reno 5, uh, which is kind of a bump up because the Reno 4 Pro 5G is the has a 765. So, yeah. and and the rumored chip for the 76, sorry, the Reno 5 Pro 5 Plus 5G, stick with me here. Um, rumored yeah. to have a Snapdragon 865, which is interesting because then that really does yeah. put it up in line with the likes of the Find X2 and X2 Pro. Well, yes, but then it's also interesting because it's tellingly not the 888, mm. as we're just getting into the season where we're expecting the first 888 phones to be announced either next month or maybe the end of this month in the Mi 11. Um, but this is, you know, even though it's the Pro Plus top end of the Reno line, it's still an 865, so it's last year's flagship. Yeah, Oppo's, Oppo's like official line on, on the 888 is that we will have a flagship coming in the first bit of 2021 with an 888 mm -hmm. in it. And that's they haven't said anything contrary to that. They haven't hinted at, oh, no, but we're going to also spring one on you at the end of the year. So, uh, yeah. That's... And we're, we're expecting that one to be the Find X3. Exactly, yes. Um, um, but yeah, yeah, so the chips that, are right. That reinforces the... what you were saying. The Reno sits just below the Find X, mm -hmm. I guess. Then they're saving the big Snapdragon flagship for, for the, the next X phone. Yeah, I think the big challenge I have with the Reno line as it currently stands is that because it is basically a six-month-ish update schedule, the jumps mm. are very, very incremental. Um, there's a lot to say looking at you know i've currently got the reno 4 pro 5g in and it doesn't look hugely different to either of these two new devices um from the chipset to the screen yeah. resolution to the kind of the features of the camera to the design um there's small tweaks here and there that's kind of the nature of these these numerical jumps in the reno series i was about to say it's, it's a recent enough refresh that you are still you've only just finished or are still <laughs> yeah. reviewing yeah what yeah. the reno 4 models, yeah the reno you know. 4 z5g review went up last week and the reno 4 yeah. pro 5g review should be up this week um and there's also the fact that obviously there's a disparity between the launch of reno devices in china versus the rest of the world yep. so it was october for us in europe and the uk um whereas i think it was like june or july in china so there's a yeah. you know a two three four depending on how they do things a month kind of jump between the release yeah. of the same series of reno devices between markets and it is worth clarifying i can't remember if we already said but this was a chinese launch for the reno 5 today so mm. there was chinese pronouncing and pricing and release date stuff announced but on that line we don't know about europe we don't know about the rest of the west it could well be another few months before we before we see these turn up over yeah. here which again thing. then sees it run into the find x series in a funny way because 
they launched the Finex Two stuff launched in January, February, even even in Europe. Um, so if the Find X3 is on the same timetable and the Reno 5s take a couple months to arrive, they'd actually suddenly be launching at the same time if that's the way it works out. And the, the which chips would be are really going to a lot less appealing by that point as well. I mean, the Dimensity yeah. will probably still be pretty appealing, but the, the 765, if, if Qualcomm's replaced it by then, could look a little bit long in the tooth. Um, anyway, so I, the thing that actually grabbed my eye was uh, the design which mm. is, um, it looks very pretty. The finish they've gone for, they, they, they keep talking about stars when they're discussing the finish <laughs> of these phones. And I don't really understand why, but it was partly using like the Google Translate version of a Chinese website. So uh, I don't want to hold it against them too much. But the colorways they've gone for uh, are really attractive and they seem to keep talking about like the texturing of it. It was it was a big part. This Reno Glow finish on the on the new Reno 5 mm. series is Reno Glow 2.0. Um, but I could talk about it from the perspective of having used a device with the, the first gen, if you will, of this surface texture. Um, effectively, they got out a bunch of patents. They're really, really like hot on this surface finish, the amount of time and energy they put into developing it. Um, one of the things is it's, it's supposedly fingerprint proof which is a very confident statement. Um, I would say that's pretty fair. The way it uses a crystal etching technique that makes it sparkly, but also makes it very good at repelling fingerprints. Um, what it does also do is mean it basically loses most of its grip. So it becomes kind of like Teflon to the touch. So it's a very mm. slippy finish. And I don't know whether the version 2.0 will have fixed that or not, but we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll have to wait and see for that one. But yeah, the, the colors I think is, is really where it stands out. Um, yeah, so it's... They call it like the starry glow, diamond glow. Yeah. That again, that this is that what, ma yeah. machine translated. <laughs> but yeah, hard to know what it's going to turn off as. But in the they West. love the design, the finish, and it does look really good. I've seen, uh, I saw a, a device that got out early on Twitter as a video yeah. in our Reno Five Piece now on the site, and you can see how much of a shift it is. It's quite a unique look. Um, closest I could think would be the Mate Forty Pro with that kind of like yeah. rainbow haze across this white pearlescent back. So it's similar in that yeah. regard. It looks really nice. Re really lovely looking. Um, there is, a, a, I'm not sure if it's by model or by colorway, but there is that odd thing that then some of them say Reno Glow on the back of the phone. I feel I like... Know we've spoken about this kind of branding <laughs> thing with Chinese devices in the past. <laughs> Still bothers me a little. I, I hope that doesn't... Is it, is it in, in capital giant capital letters? Giant, it's giant. not as big as like Realme's... <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like the Poco <laughs> X3, you know, half of the back of the phone, but it, it's not, it's not petite. Mm. Um, there's also the thing that, and I've only, I saw this mainly in the leaked stuff before the phones were launched, but watching the promo material, you get the sense, even though they don't really seem to dwell on it much, um, is that at least on one of the models, the camera surround and the top and bottom of the frame actually have glow in the dark elements, yeah. like under the glass. So I guess it does have a functional value in that, you know, if you're shooting in low light, which these phones are kind of, that's one of the big marketing points. If you're shooting in low light, your subject can see where the camera is in the dark without a flash mm. because the glowing surround of it, which is kind of smart. From an aesthetic standpoint, I'm not so sure if I love it, but it's novel. Yeah, I was umming and ahhing. <laughs> I, I kind of, part of me loves it. Part of me thinks it's trashy as all hell. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Um, the thing, and then this is the company that bought us like a bright orange leather phone. Yes, last year. So, and then they followed up with a subtle green, standards. a subtle green. <laughs> um, the thing I, I'm kind of intrigued by is the fact that the prices are lower than expected. So, the base price mm. that we were expecting for the base five 
is actually the base price for the the five pro and so the five is actually cheaper than that so they're all a little bit cheaper so i think we were looking at um what did i write in my piece it's about for the base one i think it worked out to like 400 pounds started okay. at somewhere around there um, and it would be more than that when it comes here but of course yeah know, 380 still. pounds uh, was the figure and it's actually coming in at 310 um which is yeah so if that means it, they undercut their predecessors when they come to the europe or the uk mm. i think that's good i wonder if this is actually we've seen a bit of this recently and i'm trying to figure out if it's a short-term coronavirus shift mm. or a longer shift in how people are going to do this but so a lot of these companies doing the six-month refresh and so the, the, the thing in my head we might even talk about later in our favorite tech bit is the realme 6 and realme 7 which i know is even cheaper but that was another one where it was only six months between the refresh. And what they did was basically release very similar spec devices, just little reshuffles, very small improvements, but dropped the price by 20 or 30 quid. So you were kind of getting basically the same phone, but the price was lower. And it did feel a little bit like a recognition that more affordable, you know, it made more sense to update with a more affordable model than to update with higher specs given the economic situation worldwide this year mm. and that kind of made me wonder if that's actually you know tied into this these faster refresh rates we're seeing on some of these lines is actually they're just kind of recognizing we just need to update our lines to get cheaper versions out uh, and maybe they see that there's significant value mm. in in mm. just adjusting that pricing fast my issue with that is you know, how would you feel if you went out and bought one of those Realmes and then a cheaper, better one came out like really mm. quickly? I'd be, you know, I'd be a bit annoyed. Inevitably, but I mean, that's kind of the risk you always take when you buy something, isn't it? Yeah. You know. Right now, the Reno 3 Pro 5G, that was the first of the Reno series to offer the 765G. So that technically makes the most sense in terms of value for money for the hardware. Mm. Whereas... By comparison, you know, this is towards the end of that chipset's life cycle in terms of relevance and being at the top of its game. It's assumed, we're assuming Qualcomm's going to replace it pretty soon. Um, so in that regard, that particular device, I guess in this case, the, the regular 5, not the Pro, loses a lot of its value by being towards mm. the end of its life in terms of that chipset if you're planning on owning this phone for a long period of time. So the, one of the Reno 3s had the 765G. Yeah, that's now, that's now wow. tran- transitioned across three generations three of generations. Reno. Yeah, but that's it's only, only a 18 year months. Old chip. <laughs> What's that? It's not even... A, the, the 765G got announced a year ago. That's why so I'm saying it's kind of a biannual release, but actually... Yeah. And if you take like the earliest date it launches in China versus the latest date it launches in, in the West, like... Yeah, it's actually compressed if you just look at the Chinese market. We just look at the Western market. Wow. Yeah. It's sorry. Is there is there a? Did I say there's a, there's a separate four G version, but then that's using a different chipset and got a plastic yeah. Back? What was the chip it used? I think it's another MediaTek chip. Um, let me see. Mm. Yeah, because I, I did write that down. But yes, that, that's the only one that's been spotted and rumored in like serial numbers and model numbers. But there's no like formal imagery. I don't think of it yet. Um, right. I presume Oppo wants these phones to have some time in the limelight and people go, ooh, and maybe yeah. fork out for these um, rather than go, oh, well, I don't need 5G, so I'll just get the cheaper one. I think that's... So if it is coming, which I presume it is, that's why it didn't arrive alongside these devices. Uh, that one's rumoured to be the 720G. There we go, yeah. 
so it's still a decent chip. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've reviewed phones with that chip. It's it's very good mid range chip. Yeah, no no kind of qualms with it in that regard. It's fascinating how much they're leaning on chips to differentiate these because it's potentially four phones yeah. with four different processors in them, four different chipsets across two manufacturers, which is a really unusual way. You know, it's much more common to see lines like this have the same core, the same chipset, mm. and differentiate on lenses or or display tech. Whereas on on this, it's really the the processor shift is the biggest thing that shifts between each of these devices. Yeah, I think that's my biggest kind of issue with the Reno line is that it's so granular from generation to generation, especially with those, yeah. those those chips being like the one defining feature, the end consumer, especially the kind of market I think they're going for, which is youth consumer, uh, creative people, that kind of thing. I, I don't imagine most of those people are going to go in based on the specs first and foremost. That's not the market. So to make that the biggest defining feature between models seems an odd move. Yeah, I definitely feel like if you weren't tech savvy and you were trying to look between the five and the the five pro, probably just get the five. Obviously, when someone says, "Well, the pros got a bigger display and it's curved," you'll be able to understand that. But as soon as they start saying, "Oh, and technically it's a higher nit display, yeah, yeah. and uh, it's got a MediaTek processor <laughs> rather than a Qualcomm one," and you just go, "Oh, okay." So you know, to the to the average consumer, the only meaningful difference is the pros a bit bigger and it's curved. Yeah, which isn't a lot pull them apart no it'll be interesting to see how they market it once it does launch in you know in the west Mm. basically if they do decide to bring it over here because i think that might have a different tone um to what we're seeing with the chinese launch either way there's not not hugely exciting phones i think it's fair to say unless you are mad about glow in the dark yeah (laughs) yeah they are pretty uh definitely pretty i think you know and that's kind of where they've settled into with the reno line isn't it i remember with the the reno two mm-hmm. maybe the first renos i can't even remember now there have been so many renos so yeah. quickly but it, you know it was at a, at a point what they looked like they were positioning as their main flagship line the launch of 5g it's where they put the first 10 ton zoom lens all that kind of stuff yeah and as you said they've really backed away from that and said well no the find x series is where we do that renos are a little lower spec but lean much more heavily on design yeah. well the first find yeah. x was a very experimental device it wasn't really designed yeah. to be like a it was a flagship phone but it wasn't designed to be like you know the iphone killer it was mm-hmm. the first phone i think that you could buy in most markets with an all you know an uninterrupted near bezel free yeah. display because it had a pop-up camera that in itself was a novelty at the time the special edition was one of the first phones with 65 watt fast charging i think it was mm-hmm. um and then the find x range was just a pretty i mean very good but a very kind of by the numbers flagship so yeah, it was, but the uh, biggest numbers all, yeah, the yes, numbers all the biggest numbers every number they could find they, <laughs> by they those, numbers. Into those phones yeah <laughs> but nonetheless it was a much more kind of like tame i think device yeah. uh by all regards yes. yeah much much more traditional mm. uh okay i think it's time to move on from oppo to apple uh with the airpods max uh, what we thought were going to be called the AirPods Studio, um, it looks like Studio was was the wrong name, and they are they're the AirPods Max, and those are probably the same thing. These are the long rumored over ear headphones that Apple has been working on for a very long time, probably most of the time since they acquired Beats. They've clearly had aspirations for big over ear things for a while. Um, it's a shame that the most notable thing by far is the price. 
<laughs> which is very Apple, but it is kind of, you know, they, they announce these beautiful headphones with top specs and all this stuff, and all anyone wants to talk about, understandably, is the fact that they cost £550 or dollars. Uh, you may think that's kind of reasonable headphone pricing, and you can buy more expensive headphones than that, to be sure. But I think if you look at the top end of the kind of mainstream consumer market, it's basically the Bose... Um, uh, I've forgotten what they're called now. Not the QC. They're both headphone 700 are the current ones. The name is bad the, too. And the Sony, the XM4s. So I'm not going to do the whole name. Mm. Uh, <laughs> they and they're both around 330, basically. And that's kind of the price point for like really good over-ear noise cancelling, top quality audio. You know, the top consumer level before you hit audio file stuff. I think that is where the question then lies with this pricing is, are they supposed to be compared to those £200 less devices? Or are they supposed mm. to be compared to audiophile, like the low-end audiophile stuff, which is, you know, into the yeah. thousands if you're if you're not careful? And that we can't answer till we hear them, no. obviously. Uh, you know, we, we don't have them um, yet. I know a couple of publications have got hold of them. We, we, we are going to be reviewing some, but we do not have them as of yet. But um, The Verge has a first look that went live today. So if you want some sort of quick first impressions, The Verge have some thoughts after a couple hours with them. Um, yeah, th th they have edges. I think that it, on an audio department, they have things like the spatial audio that Apple showed off um, before. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember which event it was that they, they showed off their spatial audio tech. So there's there's some little like audio audio exclusive features, I guess. But ultimately on paper these look a lot like those three hundred pound headphones. Um I just want to jump in. Shrey is just like put in the comments exactly what I was going to uh moan about next, so you're right ahead of me. Uh ports is also where they've like wildly screwed the pooch. Uh, <laughs> it it's, it's uses lightning rather than USB-C. Just as we thought Apple was, was pulling it together, finally going the right way, standardizing around USB-C, however slowly they may do it, they introduce a brand new product to make it lightning, and like a high-end premium pro product, and they make it lightning. Um, and more shocking, I didn't realize this until I was doing my research today, there is no headphone jack. And I know you can take the headphone jack out of a phone... <laughs> But I'm not sure you can take the headphone jack out of a headphone. <laughs> um, I don't know if it works. And that, that may sound fine because you listen to them wirelessly and you've got lightning. But the big thing is it just means you can't use them on a plane. And I know no one's on planes right now. But there is a future where we go back on planes. And you might want to watch a movie on a plane in flight entertainment system. And without a 3.5mm headphone jack, you will not be able to do that. And there's also the fact, you know, that connection to your device has to be rock solid if they are confident that they can get rid of a line in on that. And, you know, uh, I've had I it think with... you can line in, you've just got to do it with lightning. But... <laughs> well, yeah. But then you need a lightning to lightning for iPhones I or guess. a lightning to... Is there a lightning to 3.5 mil? It would have to be lightning to lightning. I think there is a lightning to headphone jack option. I mean, I want to get into the accessory pricing in a little bit, but I'm, I, don't, I feel that there's more to talk about the headphones themselves first. Before yeah, let's we go on the headphones at the moment. Yeah, there's accessory thoughts. We, <laughs> we could talk about the name for starters, because yeah. uh, the, there's, the, there's, this is a bugbear of mine that um, both Apple and Huawei are using 
words like pods and buds yes. even though the headphones are not in ear or they're Neither not remotely buds yeah. we've had someone in the chat say exactly that they just uh, alex edwards yeah. just wrote pods in quotation marks <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah they are not pods anymore if it consumes your whole presume- body it could be a pod that's the only way i would allow that name to be okay so i'm i'm wearing the uh huawei uh free buds studio mm which may be partly why Apple hasn't gone with the studio name because Huawei if, got in there first. Yeah, if Huawei these, managed to put them off, that would be funny. I guess Perhaps, so. anyway. But I, I, I don't understand these being called Freebuds. I don't understand the other you know, the other ones being called AirPods, apart like, from the fact that they already have a brand. Yeah, I know, mean, that's all of it. People line. know AirPods means yeah. Apple headphones, right? I feel like it just annoys it annoys me. Studio <laughs> is better than Max, but Huawei still messed up there by using the word buds in that. That yeah. still does not fly. But Studio, yeah, I think, would have made more sense for these as well. Totally, and it would convey mm. the professional thing you feel like they're going for. Like, oh, these are studio headphones using the studio, like a pro audio person. Whereas Max just sounds like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I can't. I don't know what that conveys for audio. I'm very torn about these in quite a lot of ways. Um, uh, I find I'm sorry. I'm finding it hard to get my words together because, like, like yeah, it's a weird product. They, they, they sit in this such a weird no man's land in so many ways. Like that price mm. you already said. Like the the Bose, the Sony's are a lot less. You could buy two pairs of AirPods Pro and still have change left over. But yet, yeah. the, but yet they're not. They're clearly not competing with actual studio headphones like the Bowser Wilkins P9 signatures, which are like you know extremely well crafted 700 quid wired headphones yeah. um and so. it, it's worth it's worth saying kind of on that note like we've got um our, our video editor uh, also called dom um he's he's you've never seen him on camera i don't think but he is a massive audiophile he doesn't really do like coverage for us but he is his home audio setup oh, it, like... is thousands of pounds worth of kit he really knows what he's talking about on audio gear uh and he loves Apple. He uses Apple Kit for all of his computer stuff, iPhone, all of that. He just took one look at these at Loft. And, you know, you were asking Toddy, are these for audio files? Like, on, on that basis, no. He looked at them and was like, absolutely not. I would never use those. Yeah. Uh, I do have to see that it does come with lightning to USB in the box, which is something, I guess. I guess. Yeah, right. I, would, I, would, I would say, of course, the fact that they're exclusive to iPhone would suggest that they're only people who are so loyal to the Apple ecosystem and then almost wouldn't consider any other um, headphones that aren't made by Apple because, mm. like you say, when you can get these like best-in-class headphones for £200 less and they can work with all your devices, and I I know they've got like the W1 chip for like this straight away they're connected and it's seamless between Apple devices, but it feels like you're not losing you're not losing out on much, you're not gaining much convenience by spending the extra money. It is worth saying, just, I think you just said they, they only work with iPhone. They do work with non-Apple stuff. You just don't get the full feature set. So right, they will yeah. work with Android and Windows, but things like the spatial audio and the rapid pairing uh, won't work. But yeah. they are the things that you could, if you really were trying to make the argument, oh, it's worth the extra 200 those are exactly the features you mm. lean on. You'd say, yeah. well, it's got this spatial audio tech no one else has. It's got this instant pairing and easy dark devices. And as soon as you say, yeah, but that's only when you're in the Apple ecosystem. Yeah, again, I did do an... Say, okay, fine. So 
I, no point then, if I, you're not Apple. I did want to mention Lewis isn't here because he's playing cyberpunk, but um, <laughs> he has reviewed a lot of AirPods and does wax lyrical about the way you can just pause something on one device and start playing on another and it will yeah. switch the audio. And he, he says it's one of the most underrated features of, of the, of the range. So it is fair enough. And it does, yeah, it does work with Macs and MacBooks and Apple TV and all that, all that stuff. I can see that if you have a whole set of Apple gear that you use all the time and you want to switch between and you know you want over-ear headphones, I can see this could be for you, um, but that's there's not many people in that position. I think... It, it, I mean, it, I wonder if there's... They, they basically must be for people with enough money that they only own Apple stuff and they don't care that they cost more than a pair of Sonys because they yeah. want... Yeah, that, I think, that Apple exactly. ecosystem, you know, ease of use. I saw someone asking if this will prompt um, Sennheiser and Bose and Sony to up the pricing on their equivalent headphones. And it's just like, no, because Apple can do this because, like you said, they have that customer for whom the price doesn't matter that yeah. much. They will pay the extra 100 200 because it says Apple on it for better. Yeah. Or, and, you know, but not just because it says Apple, but because they know it will work with their stuff. They trust mm. in Apple's build quality they like apple's design language bose and sony and people just don't have that ability to up prices by 100 and trust that their audience will pay it anyway um to the point about who it might be for like i don't know if the colors are an admission of who it might be for it happens to match the the new ipad air colors yeah which is kind of an odd like because that's for people who don't want to fork out for the pro they'd get the air it's it's very interesting color range yeah, yeah. does it um, i was just gonna say does apple anybody actually like it goes very muted <laughs> the colors just any of the design the design I don't, in general i don't think i like no, it at all i think it's really ugly <laughs> i think they're horrible looking. It, it looks like <laughs> those ergonomic office chairs yeah but in headphone form so they've got this mesh, like like yeah, stretched across they've got this like canopy and also the case yeah the, uh, uh, i want to save the case for the end okay okay we've got to, we've, the case is uh, a whole thing <laughs> what i would also like to raise is, is it's got this odd it's got the apple watch it's got the digital, digital crown, crown control, yeah. the digital crown. Mm. I'm I don't want to rag on this because I you know I I just genuinely cannot imagine how that works as a useful control mechanism for headphones. I'm not saying it's bad. I think I'd really want to try it and yeah. understand how they've turned a crown you're not looking at. You know, you're not gonna be able to see it while you're using it. How they've made that a helpful way to control headphones. I don't see, I don't get it. I, I but feel I trust like... Apple won't have done it if it doesn't work at all. I feel like the placement's wrong. Just thinking about it ergonomically, like it would be easier to roll your finger up and down the like if it was on one of the vertical faces, like either the front or the yeah. back of the cup. That yep. I feel would be easier, but you've got to fiddle around on the top and then twiddle like this, or run your finger forward or backward mm. to twist that crown. That just doesn't seem very elegant. So I don't know why they put it on the top. That's my main gripe about that. I quite like the Apple Watch, the feel of the crown. So if they've translated that to this bigger form factor, mm. it'll probably be quite nice to actually like physically use it. But in terms of the placement, I don't think it's so great. I think it should definitely be on and the also, back, just like at the middle, buttons. like you say. Yeah. Because this is, is yeah. you, you turn it to change the volume and then you push it to, you know, skip track, pause, and like uh, you press and hold for Siri. Because uh -huh. I don't think they have um, right. Hey Siri support, so you can't just launch Siri with the, the voice. The, the Verge oh, it does. does. Okay, that was a false fake news. They couldn't. I thought that was weird. Money. Come on. <laughs> Yeah. It seemed odd, yeah. No, the, the the Verge say that that does work still. Um, one one button it is missing is a power button, 
And I don't know if you've heard Doesn't about this. Doesn't need a power this. button. Exactly. It is, well, I mean, it does <laughs> touch on the case past stuff. The power button. <laughs> but apparently it won't go to sleep for two hours unless you put is it in the case. how long it is? Two hours? Yeah, and it's got 20 hours quoted battery life. But yeah. if you have, if you leave it on the side and it doesn't turn off for two hours... So yeah, for context, people, it's the, it's uh, it just uses the sensor so it can tell when it's on your head. So it will pause the music if you take the headphones yeah. off. But instead of having a power button, the headphones turn on when it detects you've put them on your head. And they turn off when it, it detects you've taken them off, but only after a certain amount of time, which yeah. apparently is two hours. Which yeah, suppose that's what I saw. I watched them. Um, MKBHD did an unboxing already. Uh, mm. And yeah, it was like two hours unless you put it in the case. And then the magnets in the case are what tell it to turn off into uh, low power mode, I should say. Yeah. instantly so the case yeah is the ugliest thing apple has ever made <laughs> Ooh, wow. comfortably by yeah. a long a huge margin i guess so i'm I mean, not saying it's the worst thing they've ever designed because there's the magic mouse with the charging port underneath i was gonna say the games console if, was pretty ugly oh i don't know what that looks like I'll there was also those it, iphone yeah. cases with the whole it's pretty bad the, the case for these please please look it up I, I've seen people describe it as looking like a purse. Sort of like an eye mask. Um, I've seen someone else describe it as looking like a bra, um, an eye mask, yeah. Um, the, the Part of the issue is the, the headphones don't fold at all. They don't go compact in any way. So you can't make them smaller. So they just slot. I have so many problems with this case. Well, the earbud, the, the cups do turn I mean, 90 have... degrees so that they're facing the same way. Yeah, I mean that's something. But then, you, but then you have to hold it by the head strap. That's the yeah. handle, then, and I feel like you don't want to be gripping the material handle all the time. Yeah. And it, it means there's no protection for the head strap. But yeah. if you're putting them in a rucksack or something, that bit's mm. completely exposed and is going to get bounced around and stained and scuffed and like because the Bose Seven Hundred, um, they also don't collapse in any meaningful way. The head, the the cups turn in, and that's it. But the case you get with them is just a complete protective leather case that's that's fairly slim. So at least when they're in your bag, yeah. like this is they are you know that's the kind of case you expect. <laughs> you know that's what that's yeah. The, Very similar to that. And the uh, Sony XM4s, Chris. I don't. Know, I think you review those. Do, do they they actually fold down? They do they? fold. They yeah, fold in fully. Right. If it, yeah. Mm. All the Sony. Also, do. these don't mm. have an Apple logo on yeah. the ear cup, which is sort of a bit strange. Yeah, yeah. And there's no Apple choice. stickers in the box. What, <laughs> Alex, do you know what the, the, it looks like there's a power button on the same ear cup as the digital crown, just the other side of the headband. What's that? That is the noise cancelling pass-through. Uh, so you can turn it on and off, or you can, uh, yeah. I think, press and hold, and you can hear right. through it. Yeah. It's that button. So there's still no power button. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's hardware ways of, like, Maybe with the long press, the digital, if you want to do like a full reset yeah. or whatever. But yeah, I, there must I, be. I can't imagine that's like, I don't think they're intending that to be like the regular button that you just, you know, combination that you hold to turn it on and off. So, yeah. And yeah, the the headset case is, is wild in the worst way. The bottom of the ear cups as well actually yeah. still stick out. There's little like gaps yeah. either side, I've noticed. <laughs> It's so, not protective at all. It it's, it, it's, it's a case that fails in the two things a case might want to do, which is look nice and protect your headphones. It does neither of them. Your five hundred and fifty pound headphones. Like I, I genuinely cannot believe this case got approved. It made it all the way through Apple's 
like gargantuan process of designing and approving and manufacturing and everything and no one at any point said hang on this fails at every single thing a case could I'm ever sort be of, intended to do or they did and then they'll like we'll sell them the hard case next year for a hundred pounds well that's it yeah when the apple store <laughs> starts shipping a 200 pound protective yeah. there we go. case then yeah. we'll understand <laughs> that charges it, it via lightning <laughs> Or yeah. USB-C, oh my god, if it charged by USB-C, <laughs> but only in that case. I was about to... <laughs> uh, that does well with, well we're talking about accessory products. I should just pick up... Uh, Alex Edwards in the comments earlier did point out rightly that uh, Apple does sell yeah. a lightning to headphone jack yeah. adapter 35. for $35. Ooh. Wow. So if you do yeah. want to listen to uh, plane movies, um, it's only an extra 35 on top of... Or, or you can use one of those RHA um, Bluetooth adapters. Yeah, which are fun. Um, I've got one of them for my Switch, and a couple other companies do them now, but they're basically little uh, Bluetooth headphone jack dongles. So you connect that into the headphone jack on the flight thing or whatever, and then you can Bluetooth pair your headphones um, to that. And that's also a way you can have Bluetooth connection to a Switch, because that also doesn't have Bluetooth. Nice. Um, that's more than $35, so that's another extra cost. <laughs> if you haven't looked, have you seen... I, I like the design, actually, you can pull the ear cups out. They're magnetized in, so you can replace the yes. ear cups. But, of course, it's using a proprietary... Kind of like the AirPods Pro's like ear tips. It's a proprietary design, mm. of course. Well, you'll have to replace them. They're going to get damaged so often without a case. <laughs> so often, yeah. That's, it's, I mean, it's all part of their plan, I, I assume. I feel like it's a big conspiracy. <laughs> Do you, Have any of you looked at the pricing for replacement ear cups, a pair of ear cups? Uh. Oh, I don't want to. No. It's not like uh, <laughs> Mac wheels bad. It's not like that level. But it's 75 quid for a pair of ear cups. And it's just foam and magnets. I'm pretty sure that's all that you're mm. getting with that is colored foam and magnets. The cool thing is you could then mix and match the colors, mm. I guess. But I don't know if I want to pay 75 pounds for the privilege. Someone that. else, a, a British journalist, I saw this on Twitter and I, I'm not going to try and find it right now while I'm on this. So apologies, not being able to credit this properly or get the actual numbers. But a British journalist pointed out earlier that it is about $80 to replace the battery if you're in the US. It is about £300 to replace the battery if you're in the UK. I do not know how that varies in other markets as well. For some reason that Apple has so far not commented on, it is more than three times the price to replace a a battery if if you buy them in the UK. I really want to know why. So, that is. for the cost of replacing your defective battery, you could actually buy a new pair of Bose headphones. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I would recommend if you get to that point. As I would, but I, I'm quite keen crazy. to hear how good Three these are, hours. like sonically. I know we haven't really talked about like the the specs of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's I, hard I mean, to without knowing. Yeah. yeah, I think audio specs tend to or be. Uh, yeah of limited use sometimes but they do it's it's worth pointing out that they do have have um adaptive eq which was is until now was exclusive to the home pod yes so the airpods even the airpods pro don't have that so you know is that like depending on the music you're listening to is it kind of like what neuro does yeah in real time to be like honest, I haven't is it that reviewed any HomePods or tested them, so I don't it's know fine. much, but it basically is, yeah. the idea is it adapts mm. it adapts the EQ dynamically, you know, in in real time to whatever you're listening to, to, to make it sound as good as possible, I, I believe. 
I, I'm a bit unsure. I'm, I may have misunderstood what the HomePods Adaptive EQ is or how it would apply to this because I thought the HomePods one was all about adapting to its placement in the room. So like the Sonos thing? So that, like yeah, like the Sonos thing. Mm. So it's adapting okay. to make sure it sounds the best it is on depending on its environment. The thing with that is the environment in this case is the gap between the headphone cup and your ear, which isn't that variable. But then um, is it either from taking... person to person or as you use them? And I uh, maybe I've so Lewis's really art... understood this. Lewis's article says it. They're smart unsure. enough to analyze the sound signal being delivered to the user and adjust the low and mid frequencies in real time. Okay, so it's just the ear then, by the sounds of it, just in the ear. Yeah, and adjust based. I mean, on they how do have a ton of sensors. These headphones do have a ton of sensors inside. <laughs> uh, they've got optical position. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. accelerometer dry away. So, so I, I'll admit I do worry that the adaptive EQ <laughs> thing is something that they realise sounds very good to be able to say, "Oh, this has got this an amazing Apple exclusive audio feature." I again, I haven't heard it. I'm not sure. I worry it's not really doing anything meaningful. I feel like the spatial audio, if you can find a device that supports yeah. it and you're watching content that supports it, like those caveats in mind, will be better on this than it will on the AirPods Pro because they are over your ears. Yes. And I feel like that's yeah. just going to give you a better, more immersive experience. So in that regard, where you can get that feature to work, I think this will be the best version of that spatial audio that we've seen from Apple. And I don't, you know, I can't speak for other special audio headphones, but yeah. I imagine it'll be a good one, generally speaking, as well, just because I have faith in Apple's audio engineers. Yeah, the spatial audio is what would excite me about this in terms of the, the exclusive features. And, and as we already mentioned, the just ease of pairing and moving between it's devices funny if, you're, if you're entrenched in the Apple Lewis, stuff. Lewis doesn't yeah. like the spatial the audio on the, uh, on the AirPods yeah. Pro. Mm -hmm. No, <laughs> yeah, no, I. <laughs> oh, no? It does I really, uh, I when they announced that. I don't know. I just yeah. like the sound of it. Whereas the adaptive yeah, EQ on paper, I don't understand the appeal of. Um, we we need to move on though. We we have rattled on for a while about um, about these poor AirPods. We haven't even heard the things. Maybe they're incredible. Maybe one of us will review them and we will give them five stars and we'll be absolute converts. Um, I I will just say that I think if it's not obvious by now, they will have to sound bloody incredible to uh, justify the price and the other compromises that I think you make here. But I, I don't think they'll me. make it to our best headphones list for twenty twenty. Surprised, but we'll <laughs> yeah. find out. Uh, so while we're on the best things, let's talk about our favorite tech of this year so far. Um, we have been sort of putting together our awards list for the end of the year, which will be popping up on the site between Christmas and New Year's. Um, this is not going to be able to talk about like, sort of the official award winning picks, but I guess more of a sneak peek into just the four of us, the stuff we've loved, I guess, particularly phones. And, and if anything else pops up, we can, we can cover it. I'll start because I know at least one of the things I want to say is something everyone who listens to this show knows um, full well and good. Uh, the Samsung Galaxy Z Flip is the best phone of the year. Uh, hands down. If, if you don't see that, then I'm sorry, I can't help you. You're, you're just wrong. It's, in the meeting, in the meeting, for those watching and listening, in the meeting where we were discussing what we're going to put in our actual articles on the site, <laughs> Dom was adamant that the, the Z Flip is the only option for best phone of 2020. Uh, I'm not sure. I think it's more nuanced than that, but I do concede that it's a very nice device. I think it's really cool. I, uh, I just think one, I, yeah. I'm... I'm a sucker for the clamshell form factor. 
and I think that works for me. The idea of something where you get a nice normal phone size that then folds down to being very compact when you don't want to use it, that I love. I think they nailed the design and the application far better than Motorola did. I think it looks nicer. I think it's more user-friendly. It's got better specs. <laughs> it's in purple. And How many purple purples are there? Is the best purple. Um, <laughs> I just love the phone. It, it was it was my I, it was my favorite phone I've used this year. You know, I've changed phones every few weeks, and that was the one that I had it for two weeks, and I was doing everything I could to delay Samsung taking the sample back from me. <laughs> Just getting an extra day or two getting to use this phone before I had to box it off and send it away again. You left the country. So is this where I name? say you're wrong and it's the Razor 5G? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, the problem is, that was the foldable that I got Chris. to review um, and I haven't tested any other foldables, so... Um, and normally we would see each other in the office and have a comparison and, and we'd we'd know for, for, you know much better which ones we actually like. But I haven't been able to see yeah. The, yeah. the Z Flip while you were testing it and you haven't been able to see the Razer while I was testing it. So it's, it's difficult. But yeah, I was um, really impressed by the, the Razer. Even just the way it came in the box all stood up and like it was a bit sort of... I wanted some dry ice to come out, but... Um, uh, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> was it the box? Was it like the the first the twenty nineteen oh. razor where the box can also act as like a sound chamber? Because that was a thing. It was designed like so that you can actually play, put it in the box still and play <laughs> audio, and it all apparently you know, yeah, but without it sounding absolutely. I'm not sure. Possibly, I know it was sort of designed to know, be like a somewhere you can keep it, like a, a stand. Um, yeah i i didn't really use it i just liked the way it came sort of like it came case almost, already right? flipped nice. um you know in the box and stuff but mm. i was gonna say on that note was it the razor 5g that some people said a amazon was opening oh. the packages and closing <laughs> the phone as to ship them out because they were too worried about things getting damaged in the post oh, wow. i think a lot of people i think it was particularly amazon i may, I may be misremembering a lot of people saying, yeah, they, they, they got their their um their Razor five Gs opened and the phones closed and right. Amazon basically said I'm not sure how about these the, getting the, the box is very specifically designed for it to be open, so I'm not sure how they did that, but maybe they just took it out and wrapped it up in bubble wrap. Um, but yeah, that was that was my favorite right. phone. Maybe, um, maybe I'm getting muddled up. <laughs> if if you know, I could have kept one and used it as my main phone, that would have been the one. But yeah, it it, it was a it was a two week loan. Um, but I just thought they they did it really well. Yeah. It, I think it's interesting that considering you know I think it's been an incredible year for phones this year, especially in the mid range, but also with you know these these new um, form factors and stuff. It's interesting that it's foldables that have got you you know that hooked you, despite there being mm. technically better phones from the standpoint of performance, battery, camera, display design to a degree um so is it that you think that's going to capture people going <laughs> forward do you think i know that's more of a maybe a future episode we can talk about that in, in greater detail but do you think the foldable form factor is at a stage now with the products that you guys have clearly loved this year um that could hook people in the next like 12 to 18 months i think so and if it's not there it's very very close yeah. um you know using the z flip 
I never worried about durability or anything like that. It never felt flimsy or fragile in in any way more than any phone does. I didn't really feel like it was going to to break in or snap if I used it the wrong way, which I think are the concerns a lot of people have about foldables. I think the display tech is still the letdown. You know, you're losing something in display quality to get the foldableness um, and the feel of the plastic screens can't match the glass displays and that kind of thing. That's the only real compromise, I think. Um, I mean, you've also cheered yourself out of a lovely re- uh, relationship I've with Nunga, <laughs> who, uh, yeah, boyfriend material, yeah. and then you, you bring I up think I agree with Tom. Crashing down. Like, the, I'm sorry to disappoint. Perfectly viable phone <laughs> um, you can buy now and use, and it should last for years. And uh, same with the Razer, I didn't feel like it was going to break at all. It was really, really solid. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the you know the screen being not that amazing inside is understandable at the moment i can't see them you know it's not a form factor for everybody so it's not i don't think it's suddenly going to be you know 90 percent of the market is folding phones like anytime soon but but there's certainly a, a decent option if you want that kind of thing no yeah The big thing, obviously, is price still. They just need to drop down a bit to be really mainstream, but but signs are pointing towards that being on the way. I think it's got to the point where they're almost... um, It doesn't feel like you're giving up in any experience. So, like, with the original Fold, when we were talking about Mm. that that tiny screen on the outside, it now feels like you're getting a full phone and then you're potentially getting extra. Like, you're getting the little screen on the front of the Z Flip and it can fold in half. And then you're, like, getting it on on other foldables, you're getting kind of, like... The full tablet experience when you open it up so you actually it's not it doesn't seem like it's far away from getting like two devices in one which is com- yeah. obviously the end goal there aren't a lot of compromises except the display i think that's really mm. it yeah maybe next year's the year they crack it then yeah wide open uh-huh. and iron what what would be your favorite phone doesn't necessarily have to be a flagship actually but just yes that's, that's what, what i was like? gonna what i was gonna say is that most most of the phones i review are in the budget end so um, so I think the most expensive would be like the Xperia 5 Mark II, which is for a quite a different market, mm. but it was a big improvement over the first one, and it felt like it was it was kind of owning its own niche with the 21 by 9 display and all the um, the specific dedicated audio tech and things like that. Um, on the budget end, I know I know we've talked quite a lot about um, the Poco X3, and that was um, and that's um, like been top of our charts since it since it came out, and it's. But for me, on a, on a software side, it's, I'm not a huge fan of the software, of the Xiaomi software. So yep. I would I would probably go for like the Realme 7 in, in that regard. I know you reviewed that, Dom. And I reviewed the mm. 7 Pro, which is £100 more. Um, so, yeah, I, I really liked the combination of software and it had the 120 hertz display and it obviously had 5G. Um, it felt like a really well-rounded package. And I think budget phones have almost taken another step up this year with the amount that's coming with 5G, the amount that are moving to the high refresh rates. Um, so like the difference between the 7 and 7 Pro, the reason why I'd recommend this, is I, it depends what you're looking for. So, um, so the, yeah, the 7 Pro had an OLED screen instead of LCD um, and it had 65 watt fast charging. Mm. But then, um, yeah, so it, but then you're, for the £100 you're saving, you're also getting a 120 hertz display on the 7. So... It depends what, but I think Realme has done made big steps forward, and it's kind of um, once like the likes of Honor and has moved away, obviously from the UK market and become less of a, less popular. It's kind yeah. of 
filled that gap and become really competitive. The bang for your buck yeah. that the Realme 6 I was going to mention the Realme 6 because that was the one I phenomenal. reviewed uh, towards the beginning of this um, year. And I was that's the first Realme phone that I've tested and I was like blown away by it, to be honest. It's like, mm-hmm. sorry, you can get this for how much? Like, it's iPhone what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had kind of the same response to the 7, uh, which I reviewed almost immediately after reviewing the Poco X3. I think I went straight from the Poco to the Realme 7. And both of them just absolutely phenomenal phones for £200. Um, the, the other actually kind of affordable phone I would like to mention is the OnePlus Nord because that is another phone I keep thinking about this year. came out in July, but it's actually one of the phones I keep coming back to in my head is that was a very good device. And I had been using the 8 Pro as my main phone. Then I reviewed the Nord. And the most telling thing, thing for me was that, oh, you know, I spent my week using the Nord to review it. And then I stayed on the Nord hmm. and I had an 8 Pro in the cupboard. Ready, all I had to do was move the SIM over, you know, and I would have been back on my 8 Pro. But I was actually I'm happy on the Nord. And I stayed there even though I had a phone, you know, same software, twice the price, because the Nord just delivers so much of what matters. It's, it's one of those ones that I that would call a spanner in the works. Every time I'm reviewing another device... Like, I've, you know, I've reviewed the Pixel 4a, for example, and I just, uh, yeah, I, I love the Pixel hmm. range and I love yeah. having stock Android and stuff. And then you just, you're sort of writing a review. Oh, yeah, this phone's really nice, blah, blah, blah. blah. And then you realize, ah, the Nord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I had that even for the OnePlus 8T, which, you know, I, I kind of described it as the biggest problem for the 8T is that almost everything that's great about the 8T is in the Nord. Mm. And, I, you know, the 8T is a fantastic phone, but I got to the end of reviewing it and thought, if you want to spend this much, sure, spend it on yeah. this. But actually, most people would be better off saving 200 and, and buying the Nord and it'll do almost all the same things. Um, Shrey has asked, no iPhones in the list. Um, Toddy, I know there's a chance you're about to... Uh, I am that, conflicted. I'm not sure. I am conflicted. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the most exciting segment has been the lower mid-range and the budget. I think that's been much more exciting than the flagship space, generally speaking, this year, despite mm. there being good phones across the board. Um I just want to kind of carry on from your point on the Nord. You're like, there's nothing that really comes close. The one thing in my mind is that if you're willing to give up a little bit more, you still get most of the appealing points of the Nord in the Realme X55 G, which is the one I reviewed. I didn't review the Nord, but I had huge admiration for that device. I still do. I think if I was choosing between the two, I'd go for the Nord because of the user experience and the camera's a bit better. But if you want to save money, I don't think there's a better price performance around that £300, what it is in the UK, £300 price point um, with regards to what the X50 5G brings to the table. I think Realme has planted itself in a lot of our charts this year across those kind of categories yeah. um, for all sorts of reasons. They are just absolutely dominating that. You know, There's no other brand, I think, that has as many devices in those charts, to, all from the same manufacturer, because they've got mm. they're hitting so many appealing points. You know, the, the, the seven the range. The price performance ratio is, is yeah. phenomenal. And, and they've got a nice balance across, say, like the 7 range where the Realme 7 is super too cheap, but still decent. The 7 Pro gives you those those features that, you know, oh, I wish it had an OLED. Mm-hmm. I wish it had faster charging. 
that's what the pro is for or if you just i wish i had 5g the 5g is a great phone too like yeah. realme is dominating it i think across the mid and the low range um in terms of the, the fancier stuff yeah i i again didn't review it but i had huge respect for the oneplus 8 pro at the start of the year um and i think that has been one in the back of my mind that you know I, I try to think of like which one would i buy um i think i don't think i could warrant the money for an oppo Find x2 pro and i think the oneplus 8 pro would probably be just as good if not better an overall experience for me price performance balance like that speaks to me so yeah i yeah. think the oneplus 8 pro is where my heart lies that said uh the phone I would probably recommend to most people who are not geeky techy people would be the iPhone 12. Uh, not the Pro. I think the Pro is a little bit... I, I'm still not convinced by Apple's use of the term Pro even this year where they've got, you know, actual, like, their own Dolby Vision standard and all this all this extra weird stuff going on. Um, they're all great devices. I have no, no kind of doubts about that for the most part. But I think the iPhone 12 is the phone I would probably recommend to most people. I think the OnePlus 8 Pro is a little bit more niche and it's a bit more geeky. Uh, yeah. And you've got to be able to, you know, there's compromises like it's sheer size. It's just massive, um, which is not, you know, no big deal. But for some people, that's just not an OK thing. Um, I, I'm also a bit torn because I love the Pixel 5 this year. It, it feels a little bit tired from the, you know, the Pixel recipe is getting a bit tired and they need to do something a little bit more exciting with it. But it's still so solid. And that size, you know, we were talking before the stream about small phones. There just aren't really many good small Android phones, especially, but mm -hmm. just small phones in general. Um, so the iPhone 12 mini, which I know, Chris, you're testing. Also, just... um, that's like one of the obvious options I imagine is, yeah. there we go, pretty solid. Uh, and the Pixel 5 is like the only real good Android option I, I could I could wholeheartedly recommend without fear. In that I would say the, 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 the standard Galaxy S20, um, which... Yeah, 6.2 inches. 6.2 inches, but slim, very minimal bezel. Yeah. Like, it's a small 6.2 inch phone and... For all of the problems with the Ultra and things like that, the standard S20 is a great phone. Um, I, I don't yeah. love the telephoto lens that's not really a telephoto. It's just high megapixel crops. But other than that, the S20 is, is fantastic. And I think it gets forgotten as a relatively small phone. People forget that actually everyone always looks at the pluses and the ultras and you forget that actually the base S20 is still very, you know, it's a fairly dinky phone. Um, smaller than anything OnePlus makes, for example, you know. Yeah, the Plus, I don't think they, they use the size to the best of their advantage no. in the S20 Plus. And I think that came across in our reviews because you took the regular S20, I took the S20 Plus. Yeah. And yeah, it was just a, the better overall experience because of that more compact design. Um, yeah. and, and that's basically, you know, as much as Google would love the Pixel to be the default Android phone, the S20, the Galaxy S phones continue to be, and Samsung proved that this year, continue to be really good default options if you want an Android phone. And the yeah. S20 is like the perfect example of that. So, it's yeah. the sweet spot. Uh, yeah. on, on S20s quickly, Alex in the comments uh, asked about the S20 FE. Um, I like the FE. I didn't use it. I like it on paper. Lewis, <clears throat> Lewis reviewed it. We actually did the episode where we talked about it. We I think we compared that to the 8T to the Pixel 5 because yeah. the three all came out about the same time, about the same price. And we I, reviewed I them. Say, I think we gave them the same star rating. I think four and a <laughs> yeah, half. Yeah, we gave them all the same star rating. I think they all got either four or... Four, four stars out of five, four and a half stars. Can't I think four and exactly. a half. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we liked all three, but I will say the the FE was the loser of that comparison, that kind of head-to-head mm. discussion we did. We all kind of agreed by the end that really for most people, either the Pixel 5 or the 8T got you a little more 
um, for the money, partly just down to user experience. <laughs> they both have a better software side. Oh, ignore look, look how said. blue this is. One plus eighty Cyberpunk edition. Obviously, the best one. Of the year. <laughs> it, it, this is the Obviously. nicest color. Sorry, of the year, silly if you me. Ask me. <laughs> it's so specifically blue. <laughs> uh, it is. I mean, I, where's that Reno? <laughs> that Reno glow is pretty good. Yeah, I'd also like to give well. a little shout out for the Vivo, the the X fifty series and the V twenty oh, yeah, series. You love the design, don't you? Which software side I don't love and stuff. But actually, on a design side, I think they've for just the hardware, the X fifty and the V twenty series have been the best designed phones all year for me. And I'm very excited about the X sixties, which are on the way. And I'm hoping Vivo keeps launching phones in the UK because that hardware design they're doing is is for me second to none. And I, I did, it's very underappreciated, I think. There's something about their aesthetics. I don't know what it is, but it reminds me of like the Sony Walkman, like the old boxy one, but in a very cool way. It's like, yep. there's like a retro undertone. I don't know how they've done it, but they've nailed that retro undertone with the way the camera arrangement is done. Mm. It's very yeah, boxy, uh, but stepped and. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it's it, very it considered. And it's. They're, they're not trying to hide the camera, they're trying to make a point of it, <laughs> but in a way that still looks nice. Um, yeah. We're right at the end. We've done an hour, which is it's a long show for us. But I'd like to just quickly see, we've all fully focused on phone so far. Is there any non-phone tech that really jumps out at any of you guys from this year? I loved using the Neuroloop in-ear noise-canceling headphones. They were really, really freaking good. Um, I know they're not quite as good as like the Sony in-ear ones. I forget what they're called, you know, city mm-hmm. model numbers. Um, or, or obviously the XM4s, but... Yeah, I, they were probably my favorite headphones that I tested this year. Um, yeah, I, I think Lewis had the smartwatch. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I was, I'd probably say for a pure tablet experience, I think the iPad Air was such a huge leap over the previous year. I didn't review it, mm-hmm. but I think mm-hmm. it was such a huge leap, and it felt like you weren't losing out much going for that over the Pro. From a, from a mm-hmm. pure hardware standpoint, though, I'd probably say the Tab S7 Plus really nailed it in terms of the premium design. The screen was amazing. The um, the S Pen was really good, but then it was kind of held back slightly by the software. But that is still um, the best Android tablet. If you quite like the want, Samsung Galaxy Book S, which is uh, like Chris. which is their um, you know crazy thin, crazy light um, Windows laptop running on ARM, mm. you know, with the Snapdragon. It it benchmarked like twenty six hours video playback, <laughs> which is just you know, it's, you know, when, when we've written, you know, plenty of reviews, when they hit sort of 15 hours, we're like, whoa, that's, that's really good. It did 16 hours video playback. <laughs> and then, and then this laptop goes another 10 hours. It's just, I, I thought that was pretty impressive. And the, uh, just the design of it. And it's just a really nice piece of kit. I, I don't think we've reviewed it yet, but I am very excited to see real world usage, like personally, of of the uh, the M1 MacBook Air. Yeah, that's what Shrey's just mm. said in the comments. Uh, the yeah, MacBook that's Air what that one me. is. Yeah, I, I've used the 2015 MacBook Air, Intel MacBook Air, for well every day since 2015, and it's an absolute beast. Like it's a workhorse. Mm. I still render video on it, and it's fine. I um, but I, I don't really need that, a new laptop, but I do want one be, like apple's worked its magic and i just every couple of days like, i'm like oh yeah i really like a new no, MacBook Air. i want one <laughs> i don't yes. need one i want one <laughs> they are very exciting 
Alex in the comments. comments. Oh, yeah. Are wearables? I, I I don't I don't like wearables, so I got no wearable love this year. I don't know. I've been trying to balance out my my watch tan because I've uh, <laughs> I've still got watches to review, but I just I thought I'd give it a break. Um, Huawei, I think you know I, I talked about it in the episode where the watch GT2 Pro, I think it was. Mm. They've been pushing. They've had to push their wearables and their other products because of the way their phones are right now. Um, I think the GT2 Pro was a really solid smartwatch this year. I think mm. it got completely overlooked under the guise of the um, Galaxy Watch 3 and obviously the Series 6 and the Apple Watch SE. Um, but I think it's a really solid contender that most people will just kind of brush past. Uh, oh, actually, on wearables, Shreya just asked about the Zep. Uh, and Iron, I know you've been using mm. uh, Zep at the moment, haven't you? The Zep Z, yeah. So I haven't, I haven't used it a huge amount yet, but um, I think because that, that's the brand... It's for a bit of context. That's Huawei. It's got the Amazfit Huami. brand. Huawei, yep. yes. It's got the Amazfit brand. Um, so this is kind of tend. I think we spoke about it on the show a few weeks ago. It's kind of tending towards the more premium end. And I yep. like that it looks. It looks very much like an everyday watch, but it's got loads of fitness features. So it's I mean, a circular my, screen. It's the, yeah, it's a circular screen. Right. Um, so and it's got loads of like automatic um, workout detection, sleep tracking, and things. I I, I wouldn't. Like, like to get my final verdict on it yet, but it does look interesting, and and it but it will have to go some because I think at the moment you would probably say like the Galaxy Watch Three is probably like the default Android option if you want um, an alternative to the Apple Watch. So mm-hmm. it will be interesting to see if that can kind of compete. And also, we also spoke about like kind of the brand recognition whether. Zep can get its name out there to be a go-to brand for wearables. Totally. And it's always the software side as well. I mean, I, I actually mm. don't have it on right now because it's charging, but I'm, I'm reviewing the Amazfit. I can't remember if it's the GTR2 or the GTS2 because they launched at the same time and I forget which <laughs> one is which, but I'm using the one that's square, not the one that's circular. I think uh, it's the I S. Think, I, think I was going to say, I think it's the R, but maybe no. you're right now. <laughs> oh no. S would, maybe, S, maybe S stands for square and that's why. Maybe, an R for round. That makes sense. That would make sense. So maybe it is that way. Anyway, I'm using the square one, whichever one that is. Uh, and it's, you know, hardware-wise, it's very solid. It's just every time I have to go and open the account, I think there's app, one I thing get we can a bit frustrated, and sometimes the Bluetooth stops working and things like that. It's just those little bits of polish. The, the, the one thing we can say about like 2020 is um, <laughs> that it's been the worst year for product out. names. Um, I... Yeah. <laughs> oh, Chris is frozen. <laughs> always a disaster yeah but it has been a bad year thank you i mean i'm glad yeah. that lg dropped was it the op was it optimus was that what they used for their android phones a few years back that was when i really didn't like phone names and thank you for a long time oh, man which should have been a think pending. but it wasn't think it was thank it was you thank you <laughs> would have made sense if it was think but um yeah um if you'd asked me a couple months ago i guess i probably would have hoped that at this point i would be able to say PS5 would be one of my favourite things this year, um, or, or, or the new Xboxes, and I have enjoyed them, but I think there's such compromises to both consoles and and to the experience of next-gen right now that neither of them yet feels like one of my favourite bits of tech from the year. I kind of feel almost like maybe you ask me this time next year and I'll say the PS5 might be one of my favourite bits of 2021 tech, mm. but with with 
with not that many next gen games, especially the Xbox. The Xbox really felt like an underwhelming experience. Lovely hardware, but you're just playing the same games, and it, it's you know not generated any excitement for me. I think, I think the only thing we haven't spoken about that I'd really like to sort of sing its praises for a bit is Huawei's laptop range, which I think has always been strong, and this year has just gone from strength to strength. Um, they released the MateBook D14 and D15. Uh, and then they were matching on the Magic Books that uh, for the 400, 500 pound price point are just unmatched. Uh, you will not find a better laptop running Windows uh, around that price. And they outclass several laptops that are 300, 400 pounds more than them. Um, especially if you get one of the models running AMD chips where the performance is just phenomenal. Um, mm. So, you know, at that price, they're fantastic. And then if you want to go premium, um, that green finish they introduced for the X and the X Pro is the prettiest finish anyone has put on a laptop. Even edging ahead of that red Galaxy Chromebook that's US only, which so I adore. But the, so the, the, the I think it's called Forest Green. I might be wrong, but the, the green uh, MateBook finish is just stunning. And that's another one of those bits of review tech that I tried to drag out the process of sending back for as long as I could. <laughs> so, because I loved that, that Pro X so much. Did Huawei inadvertently make the best-looking laptops, the best-looking smartphone, potentially the best-looking smartwatch, and potentially the best-looking tablet of the year? The Does headphones look Pro... nice too. What's that? The headphones look nice too. Yeah, headphones are good. The MatePad Pro mm. looks really nice. The yep. Mate 40 Pro looks amazing. The GT2 Pro looked great and was like <laughs> sapphire and titanium. <laughs> Damn, Huawei's design team. You're actually really pulling it out of the bag here. <laughs> They're killing it. It's it's yeah. just a, such a shame that the, the linchpin of it all, the phones, yeah. is so compromised because, like I said, the wearables have been great. The laptops have been great. The headphones, they've released several pairs of headphones this year. And all, most of them, I think, there's a couple we don't love, but generally we've loved the headphone range. Um, and the phones look great and the hardware is great. And if, if the if the phones ran Android, I'd really be going out telling everyone to just buy everything Huawei because it all works together beautifully and it all looks great and it all runs well. I do have to say, these, just these completely undercut you like, Freebird Studios feel quite as luxurious as I was expecting. They look nice. There's, some, there's something about the sort of tangible, uh, having them in your hand doesn't feel quite um, as high-end as I was hoping for. But... oh. oh. Also, really, Huawei has mm. constant deals on those laptops and seems to be giving away, like, um, routers. Sorry, routers, I use the American word because I watched too much Jennifer. Um, giving away, like, the, the <laughs> giving away yes. the Honor router. <laughs> I, I just get confused. <laughs> Wide risk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they get thrown How around a lot, but they're in like rubber cases. Or routers <laughs> um, yeah, they, they, they keep are they still using surfaces on, on the laptops and bundling um, oh, their gosh. router three? Oh. And even they, at the moment, you can get a Huawei Sound X um, bundled with the laptops. Yeah, not that it's one of the best speakers, yeah. but it. <laughs> yeah. But sonically, yeah, it sounds very good. And is a lovely a... speaker again, yeah. Is it still a dumb speaker, though? It can't, in the yeah, UK, yeah. it doesn't have the smart bits. Yeah. Mm. But, but, mm. yeah, yeah, very, very good sound. Just It's just a speaker, not a smart speaker, and that's mm. a harder pitch this year than it used to be. But a discount um, or paired with a laptop, that's all right. 
the only thing I'd say on the laptops is we've mentioned it before, but that webcam in the keyboard is the big downside. And 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 with this year and all the the webcam calls, I was trying to. One of my friends was looking for a laptop, and the pitch I tried to give him was buy the MateBook D14 and then spend fifty quid on a webcam. Yeah. Um. And he didn't buy it actually, but I honestly do think that will still be a better value combo than you'll get buying a laptop outright from almost anyone else. Because also, so the, the you new, will want another webcam. The new MacBooks are also their webcams are famously dirt. Mm. Um, yes. So maybe next year is the year that we actually get good webcams and laptops. Maybe, who knows? Uh, well, that's a good segue to say we're going to wrap up for this week in what may be our longest episode yet. I'm not sure. Uh, mm. And next week we will be talking about 2021. Next week will be our final episode of the year. So we are going to be looking ahead. Uh, we will be talking about everything we think will be coming in 2021. Things we are hoping, things we are not hoping for. <laughs> uh, we may even try and hold ourselves to some predictions so that we can look like idiots this time next year when we figure out how much we got right or wrong. Uh, Stadia is I- going to take over. It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone but, laughed. Yeah. <laughs> So we will leave it there for now. We will be back next week. Uh, Hope to see you all there again. And yeah, thanks everyone. Bye. See ya.